What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about the delicious, smooth Strava Craft Coffee. Guys, I got myself a cup of Strava Craft Coffee right now to do this show, and I think you need a cup in your hand as well. Guys, Strava is rich CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups for your Keurig, whole bean, or ground. And guys, if you use that magical code DNVR20, you'll get 20% off your online purchase. So hit up Strava Craft Coffee. Use that magical code DNVR20 to get yourself not only some delicious coffee, but also all the benefits of CBD helps with aches, pains, migraines. Uh, even it helps get rid of the coffee jitters. So check out Strava, magical code DNVR20. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curds from my Best part of the weekend Hugging a perfect stranger Cause they become a friend Having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N Tuning in every day with the good folks down at DNVR Welcome, welcome, welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Thursday edition, the first Thursday in July. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Guys, MSU Denver puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. Many of you guys are in our backyard here in Denver, Colorado, have heard of MSU Denver but for those that live outside the state, even outside the country, can take advantage of MSU Denver online. And guys, they have over 750 classes, 40 plus online hybrid programs, so much you can do. Whether you want to uh, start and finish a degree, whether you just want to finish your degree, or whether you want to just take a class or a program here or there, MSU Denver online can offer it. So check them out at msudenver.edu slash online to see all they have to offer. My boy, Mace, what's up, my friend? Good morning, Zach. How are you? I'm doing terrific. How about you, Mace? We're in the home stretch to a holiday weekend. Yeah, home stretch. Um, I don't know. I, I, haven't, I haven't done much thinking about the holiday just yet. <laughs> you know, the the consequence of the off season being being the way it has been with the pandemic and having the sports calendar torn asunder by coronavirus is that I just don't have any rhythm for when things are happening. So it's like, oh, July fourth, fourth of July, great. I'm used to baseball season being halfway over and the Broncos being a couple of weeks past OTAs kind of getting into a dry period. The problem is because there were no OTAs, at least not in person, uh, the dry period effectively began right after the draft. So yeah. it's like the, everything is taking me by surprise because in terms of my annual rhythms, they're just, they're just all thrown out of whack. My clock isn't working. Yeah, it, it's so true, Mason. Let's talk about uh, that sports calendar being torn apart. The NFL, Mason, you made a great analogy. The NFL is doing this drip by drip. For every other sport, um, everything just suddenly stopped. 
uh, back in March. Everything stopped. The NFL didn't have to because, of course, they were on their offseason. The offseason moved virtually. But now, first, uh, last week, we had the Hall of Fame game canceled, moved uh, back a year, the Hall of Fame ceremony. Now, yesterday, it comes out that the preseason is now cut in half, which actually everyone's pretty happy with. But that's kind of the next ball to drop for the NFL. Yeah, and uh, you you even see people like Brandon McManus, of course, who is the uh, Broncos player union uh, rep on Twitter, and uh, he's had a few comments uh, this week, like, for example, to the notion of traveling on the same day as playing a game, and he said no chance on doing that when they go on the East Coast, and, of course, that represents five of the eight regular season games. So when Adam Schefter had a report yesterday on tw- and posted on Twitter saying – more on the NFL shorting its preseason two games. McManus said, be ready for one or zero preseason games. Won't be two. And the thing that kind of jumped out to me as I pondered this is, let's, you know, let's say that the, re- the entire reason, and pro- the, it basically is the entire reason, is the, the pandemic. And you don't want to play the preseason because, in, in part because – you are losing OTA time and you want more prep time, but also you want to minimize the potential for exposure, right? Yep. Okay. Well, in that case, why are you playing anything that doesn't count? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's going to be the point of the players in the NFLPA is why are we risking anything for games that don't matter? Yeah. And as we go on, we're going to dive into sort of what the impact ends up being for the Broncos, but if everything is about is about safety and minimizing contact points, minimizing risk, then, well, if you're going to try to have a regular season, games that count, it seems like the preseason would only hinder the chances of doing that. And, yeah, I know there are going to be a lot of football types who say, okay, well, we've got to have preseason. We've got to have games. A.K.A. Big Fangio. Yeah, you don't. I mean, if if you had to have preseason games in order to play a regular season in football, college football preseason would have happened a long time ago. Right, right. Because now, what's interesting? I mean, college basketball exhibition games are part of the landscape, and they've been for generations. College football exhibition games—they haven't existed. They just haven't happened. And yeah, college football, yeah. Now you're probably you're sacrificing maybe some cohesion in the first game or two, but it doesn't see, it doesn't seem like the entire operation has collapsed because they don't have preseason football in the college ranks. So I'm pretty sure that the NFL can live without it. Preseason is 100% a luxury. It's a luxury to develop players, as Vic Fangio loves the preseason for. He said it's the only way you can develop players. Which sure, there's definitely truth to that. But developing players is a luxury. The other luxury about it is you get to find that hidden gem or two on your team. And you also get to find out who you thought was good and who actually wasn't good. Well, yeah, you're not going to get that luxury this year. You're going to have to roll with who you think is good and then find out uh, on game day, find out through the practice field. You're going to have to adjust your schedule, maybe to have more scrimmages yourself. Uh, Whatever, that's now on the coaches to do. But at the end of the day, Mace, it's a fair playing field. So this isn't a, a, a disadvantage to any team over another. Um, 
And another interesting thing that happened on Twitter yesterday, Mace, was Derek Wolf um, mm. said, what's the point of having all of these rules? And we've talked about how many rules there are uh, about players coming back. When then we're going to go ruin it by contact uh, and hitting each other on the field. And I just think, you know, you've already had um, players come out in other sports and say, I'm not going to play this year. In fact, the Rockies had that with Ian Desmond earlier this week, said, I'm sitting out this season. Now we're starting to hear football players not necessarily come out and say that they're not going to show up and play this season, but we're starting to hear football players voice their concerns, voice their um, skepticism about what's going on. And I only expect that to ramp up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I expect it'll ramp up as well. Now, but that, that being said, if you st- let's say the NFLPA gets involved here. And the, you know, the, the NFLPA has urged players to not, to, to not have group workouts. Uh, that was a that was a message from uh, their medical director, their executive director, D. Marie Smith, uh, also expressed expressed concern about it. We're talking to you, Tom Brady. Yeah, well, we're also talking to Drew Locke and Philip Lindsay and some Broncos as well. But here's the thing: those workouts are going out everywhere, are going on with almost every team right now. You can it doesn't take much of a Twitter or an Instagram search to find video of guys working out. Now the Note from the NFLPA's head doctor said, in light of the interesting increase in COVID-19 cases in certain states, no players should be engaged in practicing together in private workouts. So let's say you get to a point where the NFLPA, the Mary Smith, J.C. Treader, the president, who, uh, the president among the players, they're sitting down talking with the NFL, and they express concerns about safety. If I'm the NFL, my – my counter to that is this. I'd say, guys, you know what? Why don't you get your, your folks in line first? We're taking, right. care of our, we're taking care of safety protocols from our end as best as we can. If you're going to come here and start making some requests about what you want to see when everybody comes back, well, maybe you ought to at least get some pl- get players to listen to your guidelines because right now they're not. And, and I, I feel like, it's just another – it potentially is another point for some animosity. But if the NFL took that perspective, uh, they, they'd have a point because these workouts – the reality is these workouts are going on. I mean, I, we can debate whether, they're, whether they should be going on or not, but they, but they are going on even though the NFLPA management has expressed the wish to its players that they not go on. Everyone's saying, okay, well, you know what? Screw it. We're going to have these workouts. Yeah, yeah, and that's going to be a battle the next couple of weeks as well. And Mace, we said it, the preseason has been cut in half. The first and the fourth preseason game eliminated. The other two games staying the same weekends that they were originally scheduled. So now the Broncos don't play the 49ers um, or the Cardinals anymore. They do still keep their home game against the Bears and their road game against the Rams. And this allows another week uh, of lead-up before any preseason games, and it allows also two weeks before the final preseason game and the start of the regular season, which two weeks is what you need to quarantine. Um, So that could be to get everyone quarantined and ready for the regular season. 
But Mace, who does this impact on the Broncos for not having those two additional preseason games and how does this affect the Broncos? Well, let's start. I mean, I think the obvious place may be to start with the the players who are down the roster, the undrafted rookies. I'm going to start though with the offense. And now there's a way around this, but the offense does need to build cohesion on the field. That's again, it's now need maybe is the wrong word because you don't, if you're trying to get a seasoning, you need to play the regular season games. You don't need to play preseason games, but at the same time, you have a young quarterback with same nomenclature as last year or similar at least because they're both West coast offenses, but a new offense with new points of emphasis, with new points of emphasis all around. You've got, you've got, you're probably going to have at least one rookie wide receiver among your top three, potentially two. Your tight, your, your tight end is a second-year guy still, come, still coming into his own. Drew Locke, of course, only, only has five starts to his name. You can go through all these reasons, and the offense does need those reps. Now, the way to get around that, if indeed they play two preseason games, is to say, okay, we're going to have the first team offense play half the snaps in each game, or maybe the first quarter of the first game, the second quarter of the third game. And the reason why I focus on those amounts is that if you look at where the preseason play has gone over the last, say, five years or so for the Broncos, one thing that we've seen is that the first teamers generally end up getting about a full game of work over the course of the preseason. You you know, a possession or two in the first game, into the second quarter in the second game, about half of the third game, and it usually adds up to roughly a full 60 minutes of work over that warm-up slate. So you say, okay, these two games, we're going to start by making sure that at least our offense, our first-team offense, is getting half the reps. And then you get in, you get into the into the down impact, but there's a way, way there's a way around that. There's a way to make sure that your starters get the work they need in a new scheme. But unfortunately, it comes at the expense of Jawan Jawan Winfrey, uh, the cornerbacks that are battling for the fifth and sixth cornerback spots, the undrafted the undrafted rookies, all these guys who are on the fringe who need those extra reps to try to separate themselves. If you're going to get the first team about half a game of work or a full game of work, pardon me, half a game each night as you, you know, to get them the same amount of work as a normal preseason, you're going to sacrifice from the rest of the roster. Yep. That's exactly where it is, Mason. And I don't think this impacts uh, the starters much because just like you said, they play one or two series a game. You can combine those so that they're playing a half each game and voila, there you go. We already talked about how, uh, this this Zoom virtual offseason definitely impacted the Broncos' starting offense, but I don't think that uh, two preseason games is going to impact them. You pointed to – you hit on the two main areas that I think it impacts the most, Mace. That is the third cornerback position and specifically the cornerback depth and that wide receiver depth. We know it's going to be Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, K.J. Hamler, uh, and very likely Deshaun Hamilton making the team. Then what? That, then who is it? Is it Tim Patrick? It, this probably helps the veterans like Tim Patrick 
Uh, Juwan Winfrey didn't show enough last year where, where this helps him as well. It probably hurts guys like Tyree Cleveland and the undrafted guys because they their opportunities to prove that they can ball on game day and, and ball on special teams uh, now are limited with that, especially with the first team offense likely playing more in those two games. And then on the flip side, uh, we know AJ Boyer and Bryce Callahan, if healthy, which news coming out recently that he is fully healthy, which is good for the Broncos, are the Broncos one and two corners. You know that uh, Michael Ojemudi is making the team. Then after that, who's making the team? I mean, there, there's a lot of guys that couldn't, won't just make the team, but will have a chance to fight with Michael Ojemudi for that third starting corner spot. But then those exact same guys, you can make a good argument for, won't even make the team because you have like five guys in competition for that third corner spot. That is also going to be impacted because you, when you have so many guys there, you want them to all see a lot of reps so you can see what they're doing, and you're just not going to be able to see that many reps. Yeah. I mean, I was, I'm looking at the, the projected depth chart right now that I've got here on my hard drive, and I'm thinking of some competitions where I would really want to see guys get a bunch of reps on the back end that may not happen. For example, I would love to see Derek Tuska and Justin Hollins both get plenty of work at outside linebacker yeah. because if you only have a 53 man roster and Les Hollins uh, can also be an inside linebacker as well. Is there room for both Tuska and Hollins on the roster? I, I don't, I don't necessarily see that at this point, unless you expand the rosters. And that kind of brings me to my other point. There has been talk about at least expanding the practice squad this year somewhat uh, because of the relative lack of reps because OTAs have been blown up, but also to have a few more reserves around your locker room in case there's an outbreak. Now, I think realistically, if you were going to ensure yourselves, ensure yourself in case of an outbreak, you would probably need to set, you have 75 players, or I should say, I I, I was going to say how many Mace? 75 (laughs) players. Yes. Between the primary roster and the practice squad and then separate 25 and literally have them working out on another field in another locker room. Uh, maybe some teams would have to do this off-site. We're seeing this in baseball where teams are going to take their 20-man taxi squads uh, out of what out of the 60 players they have reporting. The 20-man tra- pra- taxi squads are effectively going to go to another site like they're good like in the Rockies organization for example they're going to send their 20-man taxi squad down to Albuquerque the AAA facility the Braves they're they're lucky their AAA facility is about 30 miles away they're going to send those guys there I think if and, and part of it is to have guys separated in case there is a an outbreak that prevents players a bunch of players on a team from playing so effectively maybe I mean, I would like to see the roster expand, the primary roster expanded, and maybe you keep the practice squad at 12 guys because it was expanding this year anyway. But I wouldn't mind seeing the primary roster expanded to 63 players. Thus, you didn't, you, you didn't expose as many of the players that you planned to bring back, didn't expose them to waivers. You knew you could have them there. And that also gives you more time because if you could have 75 guys in your, on your roster even if 25 were separate, maybe working with 
three or four coaches who were who were separate, those guys would at least be in your organization, learning your scheme, getting practice reps, and then if the worst case scenario happens and you have an outbreak and you lose, say six to you lose to, you lose say six to twenty players off your roster, you sh- you would be able to have enough guys that you could call from your 25-man separate squad to be able to put together a roster and play the game and play that game. The other idea that made me think of this was Bruce Arians talking about taking his third quarterback and separating him from Tom Brady. So Ryan Griffin Griffin effectively would be separated from Tom Brady and Blaine Gabbert. So he knew he always had somebody who could run the offense. Right, yeah. And it's a good idea. And Mace, uh, what's funny is you're saying that rosters should expand well, there's been talk in recent days of the exact opposite, and that is cutting rosters, training camp rosters, from 90 to that magical number of 75 so that there, there's just 15 less people that can be infected, and there's 15 less people that can get Von Miller infected and, and get those people uh, infected a little less risk there. And what would be interesting is melding these two ideas together. Maybe you only bring in 75 guys. Uh, for training camp, but then you end your roster with 75 guys. Maybe it is 63 mm-hmm. and then 12 on the practice squad. And so then your your traditional cut day would actually come before you ever see any of these guys. And so if that happens, and, and I haven't heard that that's out mm-hmm. there, I just think that I, I kind of like both ideas. So if you meld them together, and if that happens, obviously that would impact all of the undrafted guys. I mean, you, you got to imagine you're undrafted rookies this year would all be cut right and then uh, maybe your seventh round picks maybe vets that you know don't have it um Mm -hmm. to to get rid of 15 guys and maybe a way of doing that is instead of just now teams i think what they're saying is these teams would voluntarily go at fewer than 90 players going into the season they wouldn't set a limit that they there are teams that because they don't want to expose guys but there are also some teams that are thinking in terms of budget when you're looking at a cataclysmic loss of revenue you are going to try to pinch pennies dollars wherever you can and one of the areas you could do that is by coming in with fewer players that being said I'm not in favor of that. Now, if you are concerned about having more guys around and potentially exposing uh, guys to COVID-19, then maybe the solution is even when you go into training camp, you have a 90-man roster, but maybe only that magic number of 75 actually reports, and the other 15 guys are kind of on reserve, at least for, you know, they're, they're kind of on on some sort of reserve list that you would create. And then if you get to camp and you find out that, say you've got a, a college free agent who's on, those, who's on that list of 75, and you know within a couple of days that this guy just isn't a player. And you know what? We see that every year at training camp, that there's a young guy who comes in and is completely overmatched, and you see it on the third team. And then inevitably you have an injury and – when you, re- you replace a, a, a player who's lost to injury for a couple weeks, like you say, okay, well, we're, we're, we have injuries on the offensive line and we're struggling there. And this guy who's playing inside linebacker, he just can't cut the mustard. So you know what? 
you send the inside linebacker packing, you bring in an offensive lineman to make sure you have enough O-lineman to practice, stuff like that. That's the sort of thing that you'd see. In this case, you would see if you'd simply bring a guy off of your 15-man uh, non-practicing reserve list and say, okay, well, we've seen this other guy. He hasn't cut the mustard. And it all comes back to mustard around here, right? Let's bring <laughs> in somebody else and see if he can hack it. Yeah, and, man, it, it's, a, it's a shame that the shortened preseason – um, does it impact these guys that, you know, barely have a chance to make the roster, but there's a chance and their chance is, is now even slimmer. Uh, Vic Fangio says he never wants the preseason shortened because of how valuable it is for these type of guys. Well, obviously there, there's no choice uh, in this decision. Now it has to be shortened um, and it, it will hurt the development of these young guys and maybe the Broncos and every team miss out on a potential Chris Harris Jr. making the roster for this, but it's, it's only fair as every team is dealing with this now. Now what's interesting with Chris though, is that he was part of the class of 2011. So he had a regular preseason, but Chris was from the year that OTAs didn't happen. In 2017, for example, Philip Lindsay showed in OTAs that, he was going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I think we all came out of OTAs that year thinking, hey, man, we've seen, we've seen enough that Phil is going to be on the 53-man roster somehow, some way. Chris had to do it all in training camp, and I believe he started on like the fifth or sixth team when training camp opened. So I think my point is, if you're good, if you're, if you're good enough – to be an eventual starter, you're probably still going to be able to show it. Mm. The guys that are going to be hurt are the ones whose ceiling ends up being special teamer, backup. Those types of guys who always do find a way to stick one way or another throughout the NFL every year, those players where they're just kind of grinding it out and they're not necessarily jumping off the film those guys are going to be the ones most effective, the affected the best of the best of those undrafted unknown guys. The one, those guys, they will still rise up and they're still going to make the, their presence known, but it's sort of, it's the guys who would fill out the back end of the roster long-term that are going to lose out. It's a, it's a really good point, Mason. As we're talking about right now, the sports landscape is constantly evolving and changing and as we're talking about, this is no different right now. But luckily for all of us sports fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has us covered. And for a limited time, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Guys, this week is full of action on DraftKings Sportsbook, from golf to European soccer, and DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. And that's not all. Head to the app now to check out all the special odds and promotions that would be available throughout the week and weekend to help you bring in the cash. DraftKings Sportsbook is U.S.-based, making it safe, secure, and reliable. Plus, it's easy to deposit and withdraw your funds whenever you want. All of those guys, huge bonuses in the sports betting world. And guys, to top it off, DraftKings is offering their best sign-up offer to date right now, so you don't want to miss this. So make sure to download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNBR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. So don't forget, enter the code DNVR and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. 
only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay, I've said, hey, if you win at DraftKings, you want to celebrate, you want to get some Breck brews. Maybe you're going to lose at DraftKings, though. Maybe you just make a few picks that go askew. Maybe you've got Ouch. something on the line in Man City, Liverpool today. Of course, the, the Premier League has been, has been clinched by Liverpool, but uh, Man City still trying to fight for and, and ensure they make Champions League play next year, and assuming, of course, that the hearing goes the way they want it to. But let's say you make a bet and you're just wrong. You missed that. Or you misfired on your Sheffield United Tottenham Hotspur pick for today, okay? You're going to want to drown your sorrows. And again, Breck Brew comes into play right there. The official beer of DNVR, it's there for you, whether you win or whether you lose. Whatever you need, it's going to make you feel a little bit better. Put a smile on your face if you're enjoying, say, some strawberry sky on a beautiful Colorado summer's day or a summer day wherever you are. You can go on the Breck Beer Locator anywhere in the country and find out where you can get Breck Brews. I was able to get Breck Brews right there in Madison, Wisconsin, where you've got a horde of local beer. I mean, basically, Wisconsin is Colorado without mountains when it comes to local brews, but you can still find plenty of good Colorado beer in Wisconsin, including Breck Brews, which I found through the Breck Beer Locator on their website. Now, if you're in Denver, there's a little more, of course, because you, know, you can get that 15-can sampler that they have through Drizzly, but You've also got the farmhouse, the fantastic restaurant down at Breck Brews facility in Littleton. If you use the magical code, as Zach would say, DNVR, and you, when you order from the farmhouse, you can save $5 off your meal. It is basically pub grub elevated to a higher, le higher level. I've loved every meal that I've had down at the farmhouse over the years, and I can't wait to eventually get back and enjoy it in person. But they are open in person. If you're comfortable with doing that, make a reservation. They'll get you in. But if you just want to pick it up, call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. They will bring that order out to your car for you. And don't forget, of course, that you can't. it's not just food, but they have the full array of Breck brews there, so you can make sure you can get something that maybe you can't find at your local liquor store. They're going to have it all at the farmhouse at the Breckenridge Brewery in Littleton. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of the NVR. Mm, I'm hungry already, Mace. <laughs> you, you sold me. And let's hey. jump in to the comment section. I believe today we still have a why Zach is wrong comment section. And Mace, first one's oh, for you. We've got some why Zach is right comments. Though. Oh, got, so this is going to get it. saucy. Let's start with Count Locula. Iceman on sabbatical, vexatious. There will be a vacuous hole in the comment section from here on out. Love the count. Well put, the count, even though I don't know what some of those words mean. <laughs> yeah, well, that's all right. Let's just say that uh, Iceman's presence will be missed, but uh, we know you're listening, and uh, thank you for writing with us. And as always, our best wishes to uh, Mrs. Iceman. I know that's kind of the focus of the next year for you, making sure that, uh, that, that she's in good shape. So we're... We're still going to be thinking about you, Iceman, even though we're not going to see the Go America Drew DNVR. <laughs> well, and, and Iceman is such a great comments. presence on, uh, in our community that those, uh, those goes at the end of comments are, 
are already uh, being picked up by others. So Iceman, even though you won't be commenting, you are still very much felt in this community. All right, next, Count Locula. Flash, ah, Flash Gordon is a better complete back. That's all. Let the toilet rain in on my house. I'm ready. Love the count. <laughs> well, Ryan's not here today, so I think you're good with any toilet rain going on your house today. Uh, Mace, what do you think of that? It's a very simple statement, yet has a lot of juice to it. Well, there is one thing that Philip Lindsay can do to change uh, this opinion, and I think a lot of people would, may have it around the NFL, if not in Broncos country. And that's become a better pass catching back. And if I think of one thing about Philip Lindsay that has perplexed me a little bit, it is that he has not been the consistent receiving back that his skill set and his explosiveness in, in the open field would indicate he can be. I actually think being around Melvin Gordon is going to help him. If the two of them – do work together and there's going to be a healthy rivalry no doubt and Philip Lindsay the ship is firmly placed on his shoulder as he goes into this competition but if it's a friendly competition and it's one where there's an exchange of information and a give and take the kind of competition that you want to see on every roster then I imagine that Phil is going to be watching Melvin Gordon to see what he can what he can do and how he can improve as a receiving back because that's one thing that I would say Melvin Gordon does better than Philip Lindsay is catch passes in space. Yeah, now, Philip I, Lindsay more explosive when he gets the ball, but Melvin Gordon is a more consistent pass catcher. And I would say that if Phil watches, talks to him, gets some pointers, learns that he can rise in that skill set and truly become a complete back. Yeah, in, in uh, Melvin's five seasons, his worst receiving, his two worst receiving years are the two years that pretty much Philip Lindsay has had. So uh, just the numbers right there would certainly point to right. uh, uh, that being the case, Mace. Um, and we're going to, maybe it's tomorrow um, or maybe it's next week, we're going to have uh, a pretty detailed conversation uh, more about Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, and Mace, not necessarily on the field, but the dynamics off it. So I look forward to that. Tater Tot Tom says, hi, any fun plans for the 4th of July? Hot dogs or hamburgers? Thanks. And True Champ Fan 24 chimes in says, I like to take hot dogs, slice them lengthwise, fry them up really quick, and then put them on top of my cheeseburger. Bottom bun, cheeseburger, hot dog, healthy helping of yellow mustard oh, no. and top bun. <laughs> Not real mustard. Come on. That's, That's about the most American thing sandwich you can have right there. Well, I guess the, if you really want to be American, I guess you'd have American cheese. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it's American cheese and yellow mustard, I'm thinking, come on. <laughs> we can do better than that. But I will say this. I like the notion of taking that hot dog and slicing it up and then putting it on top of a cheeseburger because I've had several kinds of brat burgers in Wisconsin over the years, which some of them, it's just simply a bratwurst, a, a bratwurst sausage patty on a pretzel roll. But some of them also will have a traditional meat patty. And occasionally it'll be a bratwurst patty that is like a, a burger patty. But 
I've had some brat burgers where it's exactly like you say, true champ fan. They take the bratwurst and they slice it down the middle and they plop it right on top of the burger patty. Wow. They're both good. You can't go wrong. Yeah, that'll give you the meat sweats, that's for sure. Um, oh, yeah, you, you can't go wrong with either of those. I'll veer off and say uh, a nice bratwurst. I mean, you, you got me thinking of bratwurst, Mace. I'll, I'll take a bratwurst. I think, I'll, I think I may grill up some bratwurst on Sunday. Now, I'll be up at uh, my sister-in-law. I'll be up at my sister-in-law's condo in Vail. She's uh, nice enough to let my family uh, have the condo for a couple of days, so it'll be good to get up to the mountains for for the weekend and enjoy the 4th of July there. But I will be leaving the mountains early on Sunday to try to beat the traffic and get home. So maybe on July 5th, I'll do some bratwurst grilling. Mm-hmm. Mm, sounds delicious. Mark IT Snatch chime in. And hey, guys, you've discussed this particular topic heavily, but not entirely directly. Right now, the team's payroll is a pendulum fully cocked in the defense's direction. It is going to swing back toward the offense over the next few years. At the risk of triggering a throwdown Thursday debate, you're the GM. How would you guide that process? Where should the top of the other side be? And where should the payroll be balanced ideally? Good luck and try not to throw anything. He says, for reference, 61.5% to the defense, 35% to the offense, and the remaining $7 million, 3% on special teams for 2020. Ooh, that's interesting. Well, I think the start would be this. So let's say that you're going to have, let's assume the, let's assume 3.5% for special teams, because me, I like, I like a veteran kicker and maybe it's Brandon McManus, maybe it's somebody else in 2021, but I don't like having to worry about the place kicker position. I, you end up with a lemon of a kicker, and it can be devastating. You're losing close games, and it sinks the morale of a team. So me, okay. I've, I've always got a veteran kicker, so I'm always – so that would leave 96.5%. And, Zach, I think when you get to the point where hopefully you're paying Drew Locke because he's become the guy and yep. become one of the better quarterbacks in the league, then – even if you are making some moves on offense and letting some players go, you're naturally going to have to have a higher percentage to the offense than the defense if you are going to pay your quarterback a number that by that point in time may be 30 to 30, 35 million a year. Yeah, without a doubt. Mace, I look at this number, this 61% to the defense uh, and 35% to the offense, and I say flip it. Once you pay your quarterback, and, and I think kind of that's a, that's a floor of where the offense will be around 60%, because not only are you paying your quarterback, but like we talked about earlier this week, you're going to be paying your wide receiver. You may be paying a second wide receiver. You may be paying a third wide receiver, Dalton Reisner. You're not going to let him walk. Lloyd Cushenberry, if he develops, you're going to be paying him. And so you're going to shift this completely on its head, do a complete 360. You're going to be paying the offense, and you're going to be drafting the defense. Yeah, I think I'd kind of like it to settle eventually if you've got that 3.5% for special teams. Among the 96.5, I think I'd like it to settle at around 40% defense, 56.5% offense. All right, and and And, I like that. I just think it's going to be 60% to the offense just because of – and it all depends on how many people develop, but even if just a few develop, it's going to be big contracts. Yeah, and I, I will say this with the percentage that I offered. 
I'm expecting Bradley Chubb is going to come up huge in the next few years. Right. And he's going to be getting a nice chunk of that on the defensive side. I'm also expecting that, and, and also 40% is kind of my, that's, as, as, that's my floor. That's as low as I want to go on defense eventually. And Chubb's probably going to have a lot to say about it. So might Alexander Johnson if he makes the leap that I expect him to make this year. The other thing is that probably if Sutton continues to be what he is and continues to grow, and if Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler both hit, I hate to say this, but there is going to be a hard choice at wide receiver. Yeah. And Noah Fant as well factors into that too. Absolutely. And, I, and it may be a scenario where you are looking at those four guys. Now, Noah Fant has the fifth-year option, so you've got a little bit of a luxury there, and you have more time. But you may be looking at those guys and saying, okay, if we lose one of them, which one is the easiest to potentially replace and on up to which one is the most difficult to potentially replace? Because you could be looking at a scenario where maybe Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton are both getting more catches and yards than Noah Fant. But tight ends like Noah Fant, if he blossoms, as I think everybody in Broncos country expects him to, those guys are harder to find than other receivers, even speed receivers like K.J. Hamler. Right. You hope, put it this way. If you have this difficult choice, it's a good thing because it means they all hit. Right, exactly, exactly. Just like, just like uh, we talked about yesterday. All right, Mace, next one coming in from World of Suck. I got a quick little exercise to evaluate some of the changes we've made on the roster this offseason. All you've got to do is fill in the blank. All right, Mace, I'm going to read these, and you tell me your answer. Okay. The running back room is the best it's been since – Ooh. It was very good in 2013 with no Sean Moreno, Monte Ball before, before the off-field stuff uh, took its toll on him, and C.J. Anderson there as a rookie who made the team. So the running back room is the best it's been since 2013. Yep, and, and I mean, you could even probably go even further back. The wide receiver room is the best it's been since? Wow. Um. I, I'd probably say uh, 2013, and the reason why I say that as opposed to 2014 is because in 2014, Wes Welker didn't have it. No. Nope. Wes Welker was the perfect example of Bill Belichick letting go of a guy one year too soon, but exactly one year because he was really good for the Broncos in 2013 and then fell off the cliff in 2014. And that 2013 receiving core was Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, Wes Welker. Yeah, that was, it was in a, a very, very good group in 2013. So I agree. The cornerback room is the worst it's been since. Ooh. Uh, 2003. The last year wow. pre-Champ Bailey. Wow. I'm going to well, say – think s- about it. Yeah, they, they went from Champ – the year after Champ Bailey left, the year that Champ Bailey left, and they let him go, they brought in a keep to leave. And they had Chris Harris and – and the year that Champ was struggling with injuries, they had DRC playing at a very high level. And, of course, Chris Harris Jr. was balling out. Okay, Mace, how about this? It's the worst it's been since last year. I think it. I think it's. I think it's better than than last year's group. Now again, hindsight helps. We know that Chris wasn't in a, a good role for him or the team. 
we know Bryce Callahan didn't play. And then you were down to the Isaac Adams of the world. And once you found good play from Devontae Bosby, well, he got hurt. So I'm going to say it's the worst it's been since last year. The pass uh, rushing attack is the best it's been since. Uh, it's it, the best it's been since 2018. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. That's, I mean, it, that, that's when you have Shaq Barrett as a, as a backup, that's pretty darn good. Uh, and the tight end room is the best it's been since. Ooh. Um, wow. That's, you know what? I, I keep leaning on, uh, on 2013 over and over, but in 2013, you had Julius Thomas who was just balling out, but you had good depth there as well because you had Jacob Tammy and Joel Dreesen and Virgil Green. The depth wasn't quite as good in 2014. So I got it. So, but that being said, in 2014, you still had Virgil. You still had you still had Julius. Um, okay, I'll say 2014. Mm, I, I like that as well. Great comment there, World of Suck. That was fun. But, Mace, I got to say, the best comment ah! is the next comment coming in from T Meeks. He says, hashtag, I'm with Zach. Let's go. Short, sweet, and beautifully written. T Meeks, okay. I love you. Okay, but you got to say why you're with Zach. <laughs> uh, no, no, that, that's all we need. <laughs> all right. Mace's burner account. Mace, I want to know what stats you're looking at that would tell you Kaepernick would have been a better choice at the quarterback position than Trev. I know your politics, but I know you're our numbers guy. Come on, man. The job was offered to the man. In a week when he gets signed politically as a third stringer, we can talk about salary. He'll be offered less. Fight me. DNV Army salute. Okay. First of all, if you, I do not expect Colin Kaepernick in 2020 to be, to be what he could have been in 2016 as a Bronco. He's been out for three years. And I think any expectation of him being beyond serviceable backup is a stretch because he's been out of football for so long. Forget about all the other stuff. When you've, you've, been, when you've been away for three years and you've lost three years at what you would expect to be the core of your career – you're going to be set back for a while, and I don't think he's going to be what he would have been. Now, here's my argument for Colin Kaepernick over Trevor Simeon, all right? Trevor Simeon's highest passer rating was 84.6 in 2016, okay? Colin Kaepernick had five years in which he started at least seven games. Only once did he have a passer rating below that. Trevor Simeon's career touchdown interception ratio, 30 to 24. Colin Kaepernick's career touchdown interception ratio, 72 to 30. So it's better than two to one. And I haven't even mentioned the threats that Colin Kaepernick provided as a, as a, as a mobile quarterback, as a runner over the course of his year, of his, of his career, 13 rushing touchdowns, an average of 6.1 yards per carry. Trevor Simeon, one rushing touchdown an average of 3.1 yards per carry, not really a threat on the ground. I think, And the, the thing with Kaepernick, yeah, it, I, I would like to see him be a Bronco, but they were asking him to take a pay cut. Why would – I'm sorry. Why would anyone take a pay cut to go, to, to go somewhere else? A 50, just, a 50% pay cut, too. Right. My, my yeah, I, yeah add. exactly. It's like the Broncos, hey, we want you, but we want you to take a pay cut. Now, I would argue this. A better use of funds in 2016 would have been trying to find some kind of 
serviceable right tackle somewhere in the draft because I don't think they would have been worse than Donald Stevenson. And using that money to make sure to, to help give Colin Kaepernick what he would have had otherwise. Yeah. Mace, the only thing I think, I think you're, uh, you're overlooking here is just the cool factor for t Sizzle. <laughs> <man. laughs> yeah, no, I, th- I think you got it, Mace. Do I think Kaepernick would have been an elite quarterback? No. But at the time that he was with the 49ers going over – now his trend was a little bit down, although he had a good statistical season in 2016 once he eventually got in there. But I think Colin Kaepernick could have been with the Broncos a, an average quarterback who had the ability to, who had the ability to run the ball and discombobulate the defenses with his legs that would have kept them off guard and an experienced quarterback as opposed to a for a first time NFL starter an experienced quarterback with a veteran roster i think that the equation would have just been a lot better so it's a combination of experience a com- performance the fact the fact that he'd been at a at a high level had taken to a team to the Super Bowl a few years earlier not saying the Broncos would have gotten to a Super Bowl, but I think the season would have turned out better. That said, would Colin Kaepernick still be the Broncos quarterback today? No, I don't think so. Because I think he would have settled at kind of that middle tier where the Broncos were looking for a replacement by 2018 or 2019. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Next one from Holy Atwater. Aloha from Vegas. A while ago, I read an article on Behind the Curtain or Behind the Steel Curtain where the writers were pounding the table that the Steelers Nation needed to inquire about acquiring or needed to inquire about acquiring Philip Lindsay. They noted that he should want to leave Denver with Gordon's arrival so he could get paid sooner and that he would be an instant fan favorite wherever he goes and an upgrade. I laughed. Then time went by. If Shermer does prefer a bell cow back and Gordon wins out due to his receiving capabilities and we don't see much Phil, how, how long before you could see a disgruntled Phil and what kind of offer would Elway see as too good not to take? I personally hope John sees a two-headed beast of a backfield as the cheat code to keep Mahomes off the field and beat the Chiefs and finds a way to keep Phil long-term. Thanks, as always, for the awesome coverage. P.S., I love that Denver fans have trolled Allegiant Stadium on Twitter as looking like a Roomba. It's accurate since it's where the trash goes. <laughs> Mace, I think this may I be like a, a first segment topic, like I kind of talked about, in the next week, because I think there's a lot to unpack here because I think it's a very good question uh, and, and point. So do you mind if we hold it off for a big discussion? I don't. And in fact, uh, with some of what Phil, some of the cryptic comments that Philip Lindsay has put out there on social media, I actually had a conversation about this on the radio yesterday because there, and I think it's something that we should tackle in a first segment because there's a lot to unpack here because frankly, this is where you want to see, you want to make sure that any competition is, 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 is a friendly competition because you don't want a situation where the guy who loses out is causing some problems. Yeah. And both of these guys have been RB ones. Yep, exactly. It's going to be interesting and I can't wait for that conversation. So great comment. Next one from mile high. Mike Zach has summoned those who see his side. So I will respond. I agree with Zach. I know Mace is probably super ready to put this one to bed, but hear me out. 
So Mace, it's Mile High Mike bringing this up, not me. He says, I the know, reason Zach is right is because of the initial circumstances presented. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Being able to look back at who broke out and who didn't and, and draft picks that exceeded expectations and those that busted. Zach, as the decision maker, could absolutely use his knowledge of the future mm. to build a better team with the resources gained by a Von Miller trade. He could strategize a way to draft Patrick Mahomes in 2017. Maybe he finds a way to grab Saquon and another unicorn somewhere else because hindsight is 2020. Every argument Mace presented is good and valid, but ultimately Zach would have the opportunity to build a Super Bowl team knowing what he knows. Like Mace said, there'd be a severe negative repercussion, but Broncos country would forget and forgive when Zach puts another Lombardi or two in the trophy case. Zach wins. However, without hindsight 2020, Mace is right. Should the Broncos have kept Vaughn like they did? Absolutely. It was definitely the right move with the knowledge they had at the time. And Zach is only right when it when he knows how the future unfolds. Not knowing like Elway didn't know means you keep Vaughn. If I misunderstood Zach's position, he actually believes Elway made the wrong move with the knowledge he has. Sorry, Zach. You're nuts. Then he leaves a comment for Ryan, which he uh, – reached out and said he's going to leave on a future pod when Ryan's here. He says, sorry for the long one. The pod has been spicy fun. Planning on stopping by the DNVR bar Friday night. Hope to see you guys there. Coming all the way from Vegas. Much love. I have spoken. Mile high, Mike. Well, mile high, Mike. Safe travels from Vegas, my man. So basically what mile high Mike is saying is that if you have a DeLorean that can travel through time, Zach wins the argument. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. If only we because had that you have, you, you have complete hindsight, so being 2020. So you're getting, you're getting the best of everything. But exactly. The, the one thing is that if the Broncos do trade Von Miller, do they maximize those picks? That's, that's the thing I uh, – that's part of what I have here as well is because – I think if those picks had been in 2016 and 2017, that this was before the really recalibration of draft philosophy. I think they would have messed some of these picks up. It's fair. It's fair. It just depends on when they had those. Uh, man, I, thinking about the, uh, uh, the ability to time travel, I wonder when Philip Lindsay would have been drafted if people would have known he would have been a back-to-back 1,000-yard rusher. Oh, he – even though running backs were fungible assets – he would have been drafted in the first two rounds easy. But which one? Easy. easy. Probably early second round. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. Next one from Broncos, Sooners, New York Rangers. Hey, guys. Happy hump day. Thanks again for taking the time to read our comments. You got it. We are less than 75 days away from the NFL preseason. Can't tell you how great it feels to have football on the horizon. My question today is this. Would you take a rookie John Elway to lead this team this year if we possess the technology to clone a rookie John Elway? Or would you stay with Drew Locke? That is all. And I just want to say that the New York Rangers are the greatest hockey team ever created. These are the perks of subscribing. I can make the guys say whatever I want. Ha 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 ha, he <laughs> says. Just messing with you guys as always. Love y'all and have a great day. Yep, those are the perks of subscribing. <laughs> that, that is a perk. I'm glad you said it, Zach, because I would have, if I'd read that comment, I would have stopped and said, hold on, you're talking about the team that has exactly one Stanley Cup since 1940? One. Yikes, not a good track record. (laughs) And it was, it was the biggest deal when they won it, man. It was like, that was probably in terms of, in terms of, 
uh, American interest in hockey. That, that, that was the biggest team story in hockey in a long time at that point when the Rangers won the Stanley Cup with uh, Mark Messier leading the way and Mike Richter in goal. And yeah, that was a good team. <laughs> I have to admit, I was pulling. I, I was pulling for the Rangers when they won it in '94, and uh, Mike Keenan. Mike Keenan was their coach, man. Mike Keenan, successful, one of the biggest hard asses in the history of the sport of hockey. Yeah, I gotta say, at two years old, I was really pulling for him too. Oh man! <laughs> well, you, yeah. If if you watch that documentary, ESPN did on June seventeenth, nineteen ninety four. Part of that is the Rangers having their victory parade. That, of course, there was an NBA Finals game going on, the Rangers victory parade, and O.J. Simpson, the chase down uh, the Santa Monica Freeway in, uh, in the Los Angeles area. Yeah. All kind of coming together. All, and there were other things going on, but all part of what came together on one day. So this is a great question about Elway, because rookie John Elway, in one of our DNVR watches sessions, we saw rookie John Elway against the Baltimore Colts in week 15. And that game encapsulated everything that rookie John Elway was. Spectacular in bringing the team back from a 19-0 second-half deficit, but also missing a lot of throws. The accuracy wasn't there at that point. But the, other, but the thing I ask of, of, of Broncos seniors and why Rangers is this, this – do you get Drew Locke and you get him beyond this year? Or do you get rookie John Elway and you get him beyond this year? Because if that's the case, I'm taking rookie John Elway because I know he became a great quarterback eventually, and I don't know that with Drew Locke. Ah, hindsight's a heck of a thing, isn't it, Mace? Uh-huh. <laughs> Good question there. <laughs> Love Thunder down under. Speaking of hindsight, why hindsight arguments are nonsense. You need to value oh. decisions based on available information, context, and perceived probability, not outcomes. Putting your life savings on coin flips is not a good decision, regardless of the outcome. This is an extreme example, but the logic is often best understood on the tails and then worked back. When you play the hindsight game, you miss on the decision-making process. The single biggest factor for decision-making is risk. So, based on the context, the available information and probability the Broncos had of winning again in the near term was it the right decision to give Von Miller the deal? Left under down under says yes. Now, onto a much lighter matters, which involves less rage. I like how Left Under Down Under tries to get us <laughs> fired up and rageful, then says, okay, okay, I back down. Here's something lighter. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that beeping video of Jerry beeping Judy? Beep me, this dude won't beeping stop. I watched the video, and two minutes later, I watched the Wilson and A.B. training video, not even beeping close, Judy every time. So to temper my expectations, what is wrong with Judy? Why will he fail? Why will he be a colossal failure? Need y'all to rein me in. So have at it. Uh, I don't think he'll be a failure unless he has injuries because – Everything about Alabama receivers that go in the first round and everything that Jerry Judy has shown translates to the next level quick. Not the fastest, but he's got enough speed to beat you vertically when he has to. Outstanding route runner, so he, can separ he creates separation with his cuts, and that's something that we see all over the film. Alabama receivers over the last decade in the first round, and admittedly, it's not the biggest sample size, 
But Alabama receivers in the first round are the closest thing to a sure thing in the draft. If Jerry Judy fails, it will shock me. If he fails for a reason other than injury, I'll be flabbergasted. I'll, a lot of us are going to have egg on my face, and I'll, it, I will be willing to lead the parade of people with egg on their face because Jerry Judy in a deep receiver class was my wide receiver one. Yeah, Mace, we'd, we'd all be there with you because I don't think he's going to fail. The only two things I can think of is, you know, I'm touching wood, injuries um, and uh, or off-the-field stuff, and he has had no off-the-field issues to date. So neither of those really point to uh, having any uh, guidance for that that will happen. So um, may, maybe he just turns out not to be as good as we thought and just turns into be a true possession guy um, where the speed – uh, isn't as good as we hoped it would be uh, and his playmaking ability after the catch isn't as good but he's going to be able to get open in the NFL and he's going to be able to catch the ball so I mean that that's another reason why I really loved him was his floor was so incredibly high saying that I don't think that's going to be the case all right we're gonna have to speed round some of these uh, questions coming up here so Drew Locker boy. Hey boys, back on the Colin Cowherd bandwagon. We need to ease some support on him. In one of his recent shows, he talks about his top 10 QBs in the best situation. He ranked lock 10. That's a nice rating for us. But he was just talking about how lock could be in the MVP conversation, as well as the Broncos going 12 and 4, 11 and 5. I just don't know, man. Anyway, yesterday you had Chris Harris Jr. on. They referred to lock as a gunslinger. Thanks for the rant, DLB. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, you want to ease support? I mean, if, if, if he's a top 10 quarterback, I think that's really good. I think Colin Coward has Drew Locke's back if he's top 10. Yeah, and he's look, he's saying that Drew Locke could be in the MVP conversation. He's not saying that he is. I think what he's talking about is probably the best case scenario for Drew Locke. He's just saying that he could be in the conversation, not that all of a sudden Locke's going to be MVP. So Right, exactly, exactly. And, and Mace – before we hop into the speed section of comments, if you want to be fast, you may have to get rid of some hair. And I know the perfect product that can do that. And that is Manscaped. Guys, if you got any issues going on below the belt, Manscaped can trim them right up for you. Use that lawnmower 3.0. They spent 18 months making the perfect razor. And let me tell you, it is perfect. It has an LED light. It has a 90-minute battery. It has advanced skin-safe technology. It really has it all on the Lawnmower 3.0, plus a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. That's all in one little razor right there. That just shows you how good it is. And speaking of perfect, get the Perfect Package 3.0, which of course comes with the Lawnmower 3.0. It comes with the Crop Preserver, which is an anti chafing deodorant. It comes with the Crop Reviver, which is a spray on toner. And it comes with the travel bag, disposable shaving mats, and the comfiest set of anti chafing boxers you've ever worn. And guys, on top of that, if you use the magical code DNVR20, you'll get 20% off your purchase and free shipping. So check out Manscaped DNVR20. Yep. And uh, if you've got everything clean and taken care of down there, you're ready for a nice round of real golf. But if you just want to have a round of virtual golf, a round of golf on your couch, that's where WGT Golf comes in. You can go to dnvrgolf.com, download WGT, and you know what? You can join the DNVR2 Clubhouse. Of course, we had the DNVR Clubhouse. It filled up. Now we have DNVR2. But as you'll see, like, for example, last weekend, we'll have clashes between the clubhouse clubhouses. And you know what? If you're in the DNVR2 Clubhouse, you've got access to all the same things that you have. If you are in the DNVR1 Club, I said DNVR1, just the DNVR Clubhouse. Pardon me. But 
no matter what. If you just want to play by yourself, WGT Golf, great place to do it. It's the most realistic free golf game, loved by more than 20 million players around the world. You can play any number of world-class courses on this game, including Pebble Beach, Bethpage, Black St. Andrews, Wolf Creek, the Ocean Course at Kiowa Island, and many more. And also, if you just want to have a little fun, if you're missing Top Golf, they got the Top Golf experience right, right there. So you can have fun just like you, you do out golf out at Top Golf. And you can even play with digital versions of your favorite brands. So if you've got uh, those Titleist clubs in your bag or Titleist golf balls, you've got those Callaway clubs in your bag. You know what? You can do both. You can do both. You got Ping, Taylor, Made, and more. These are all available for upgrades on WGT Golf. Go to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT Golf today. Next one coming in from Steve Atwater, Hall of Famer. On the surface, the Chiefs appear to have figured it out this offseason. Although this might be the case for the offense, the defense is a completely different story. Breland was facing a four-game suspension before his arrest in April. They let Fuller go to to go to D.C., Chris Jones might sit out, and Thornhill is recovering from an ACL surgery suffered late in the season. Consider the impending Mahomes contract and the fact that their premium picks the last few drafts have been dedicated to offense, and you can see some more cracks in the armor. Let's face it, without Breland and Chris Jones, there's no way they would have won that Super Bowl. This, this is the year they go all in before Mahomes' contract makes it ex- exponentially more difficult to win again. Also, I know your stance on paying quarterbacks a huge amount of money and how you don't think it will matter when it comes to roster construction, but consider this. If Mahomes gets a deal worth $40 million a year, which isn't far-fetched, that is more money than they are currently spending on their entire offensive line, including the swing tackle, with some money left over. Only four players have won a Super Bowl, making over 11% of the cap, and the most ever was 13.1. I want to keep my take on the record that Mahomes will be the cautionary tale for overpaying quarterbacks and hopefully help return the quarterback market back to a reasonable place like it was prior to 2013 before we have to pay Locke. As Steve Atwater himself would say, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I would say uh, good luck with that. This sounds like it's coming from uh, the Broncos uh, speaking directly to Drew Locke's agent. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where I was going to go with this was just everyone that, that's preaching uh, right now about how the Chiefs are going to be ruined when they have to pay their quarterback. Remember, you hope to be having this conversation in two years with Drew Locke. And I'm sure you won't be saying that the Broncos are ruined when they have to pay uh, Drew Locke, who they hope is an MVP and they hope is a Super Bowl MVP at that point. So just keep that in mind. Look at both sides when you're saying this. Right. Super Bowling. So I just caught up on the podcast from earlier this week, and here's my two cents about Vaughn. Through three weeks, Vaughn Miller has four sacks in the PS4 Madden League, and I'm okay with that. But I have to wonder if he's getting more opportunities since he's playing with the lead, thanks to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, 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 so obviously, the solution is trade for Rodgers in real life and give Vaughn a raise. Sorry, Zach, your logic is incorrect. Evidence due to the results in Madden. Hope that provided a laugh for y'all. Enjoy the weekend. Stay safe. Fingers crossed. None of our guys get in trouble this weekend since there's always a few who do every year. Yeah, absolutely. I hope everyone, players and all of you, stay safe this weekend as well. And Mesa, I guess Madden proved me wrong. Oh, boy. (laughs) I always always say, real football isn't Madden. And the other thing I'll say this weekend is, guys, stay away from the fireworks. Don't be the next Jason Pierre-Paul. Oh, seriously, seriously. D-Dub says, fellas, sorry for the long comment. I promise I'll lay off the Vaughn topics after this. 
Mace's Braves take inspired me. LOL. The sentimental value of Vaughn could be weighed financially for the team. This is a lot of what if, but hey, that's the discussion, right? If Vaughn is gone, maybe a chunk of Broncos fans stop buying merchandise and coming to games, ending the longest streak of sellouts in the NFL. We know the Broncos aren't a top-tier cash-rich organization, so maybe this limits the amount of dollars that the team can spend in free agency for the last five years. And how many players go to teams that can't pay their players? The organization could have been in a worse spot than it was. Plus, rebellions are built on hope, and Vaughn has always given me hope. That's it. I've said my piece. Thanks for the fun discussion, guys. Well, I do have to chime in on the two financial things. The Broncos were not signing high free agents because of Von Miller sales jerseys. I'm sorry about that, D-Dubs. And also, I seriously doubt the sellout streak would have ended, especially with how dedicated and devoted Broncos country is if they didn't have Von Miller. So I, I disagree with both of those. Well, remember, the sellout streak only accounts for general seating. It doesn't, count, it doesn't account for luxury boxes and club seats, the premium seats. And I think that's where you would have seen a hit that came. Like, for example, the Broncos were struggling in premium seat sales before they signed Peyton Manning. Peyton right. Manning came in, and all of a sudden, those yawning gaps in the club level, gone. Vacant suites, gone. So – I think if you lose Vaughn, that's where you probably would have lost it. The Broncos have so many names on their season ticket waiting list that if people stopped, if people gave up their tickets, others would have stepped in, at least in general seating. And the other thing with merchandise is this. The jersey sales from any source, those are divi- the, the revenues are divided among all 32 teams because that's part of NFL properties and that's distributed equally. The only part that the Broncos would keep for themselves is if they sell a jersey at their, at their store, in which case they then keep the markup on it. I mean, that's but not like, paying for but Juwan the, yeah. James. But yeah, like the, but the raw money that comes in, the raw money that comes in, like, so if the Broncos, you know, for their store, they buy a bunch of jerseys from the, from the, from the manufacturer, from Nike, then what Nike gets after Nike takes its cut, what from there, that's divided among all 32 teams. Wait, so technically, Vaughn could have made the Broncos more money by being on a different team because let, let's say he, a lot of people that already bought a jersey in Denver, if he goes to a different team and those fans want a Vaughn Miller jersey, then that money, all, all the new jerseys that are sold gets divided 32 ways and then the Broncos get more money. <laughs> well, yeah, but what if you've lost a uh, luxury suite and uh, club seat sales? So yeah, I uh, you're taking that money and and also don't forget you're not making uh making money off your markup at your store at your team store. Yeah, so. yeah, I don't I don't know if a linebacker <laughs> is selling luxury boxes, but it, it it is a good point, Mace. Definitely. Okay, Buff Devil, my boys. I've never been staunchly opposed to trading star players in any sport, but you have to look at what you'll get in return, Zach. You said during Tuesday's debate, I believe, that you get two first-round picks by trading the Vonster. Let's all turn back the clocks to late 2017. Brock Osweiler just led our Broncos their second win in a row. Just don't get the eight losses before that. Next week, the Washington R-words would break the illustrious win streak. But it's bowl season. Mr. Elway has some scouting to do. Two days before our Broncos could only muster 11 points in D.C., John was in Boise. Scouting won Josh Allen in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. 
We all know how the season ends with the Broncos snagging the fifth overall draft selection for in a loaded QB draft class. John plays some 40 chess, trades Vaughn for an 18 and a 19 first round pick. Fast forward to draft night, the fifth overall selection. John is fully prepared to take Bradley, take Josh Allen, QB Wyoming. He is stunned to see that a generational pass rush down has fallen into his lap. John takes Chubb with the fifth overall selection and sells the farm to Indy to be able to take Allen before Buffalo can get their hands on him. Would our beloved Broncos be in a better position in this situation than they are now? I'm not so sure. Buff well, devil. This is a completely, de- I mean, you're just throwing a new uh, topic at us. This isn't what uh, we argued or not, but Mace, we had this conversation last year in a different way of would the Broncos be better off with Josh Allen or Bradley Chubb? Now, now, the way we've been viewing this conversation about Vaughn is uh, from now to 2016. We're not viewing the future. So looking back, yeah, the Broncos would have been better off with Josh Allen uh, as opposed to having Bradley Chubb because their quarterbacks um, were uh, primarily Joe Flacco and Case Keenum. Give me Josh Allen over those two guys, even if you don't have Bradley Chubb. So uh, just right there, that's what you would have done. And I don't think you're, you're trading multiple first-round picks to get Josh Allen and drafting Bradley Chubb. You're just drafting Josh Allen instead of Bradley Chubb. Yeah, and hmm, I don't know. May, or maybe part of this is if he's saying that you trade Vaughn in 2018 because you get first-round picks in 2018 and 2019. What if you traded Vaughn before 2017 and you get more than that? And because of that, you're able to potentially move up and you can't get Baker Mayfield because Cleveland's standing pat number one, but you move up and you can take Sam Darnold. I'll tell you what, How would John, things look then? John Elway would have absolutely loved that. And Mace, like you pointed out earlier this offseason, the Jets were a winning team with Sam Darnold last year. As easy as it is to – make fun of the Jets and Adam Gase and his eyes and everything like that. They may be a surprise team this year. I'm not saying they will be, but like it's hard to ignore when your starting quarterback has a winning record. And I would say as the Broncos (laughs) were last year. (laughs) And the other thing with Sam Darnold is that it seems like, remember he was young. He he was younger than Baker Mayfield coming out, younger than Josh Allen. It seems to me like Sam Darnold, because he's taking more of an old school rise as far as young quarterbacks go, which means that it's taking him a little bit longer that, you know, we've gotten so spoiled by seeing like Patrick Mahomes when he stepped in, uh, in his first full season as starter being tremendous and, and seeing Russell Wilson be terrific at the start. Sam Darnold seems to be taking a, a path that is more along the lines of what we expected quarterbacks to take back in the 1980s. Right. And that's not a bad thing. Now, this year, it's huge for Sam Darnold. But even with all the dysfunction with the Jets and what they lack in terms of weaponry, I still think he's going to have a pretty good season. Or put it this way, one where you're saying, okay, this isn't a great team, but the Jets probably have found their guy. Right. Yep, yep. It seems like that right now. This year, just like it will be for – uh, for Drew Locke will be a very telling year. Yes. Sound guy chiming in. My boys! Hey. The Vaughn debate got me thinking. All the mistakes the Broncos made in recent memory were a positive. These mistakes lead to a philosophical change in the organization. Hitting rock bottom allowed Elway to learn from his mistakes. I'm very encouraged by the future. Drafting high-character players and team captains looks like a winning formula for years to come. 
in just three drafts, we already are seeing the dividends. I like yeah. that positive way of viewing it. That's and that sort of falls in line with the notion that trading Vaughn in 2016 meant they would have uh, messed up the picks potentially, but now you have a lot of confidence. I, they've they've changed their template. I, th- I and I don't know that it's going to work all the time, but I think they've increased their chances of success. It's uh, and one of the reasons why it's close to my heart is it's it's very evocative of what uh, Rich McKay did with the Bucks back in the 1990s when. They were rebuilding the team, and they emphasized experience, and they tried they try to get a lot of character guys in that locker room, and gradually they built a team that won a Super Bowl. Yep, yep, there you go. The Manning face God. Hey, guys, since Vaughn's contract has been a hot topic, I have another question, and this one is regarding a third contract. What is the likelihood that Vaughn is given that third contract? Being around him for this long, do you think he would be willing to take less money since he's already got his big contract? Vaughn has already expressed about being a Bronco for life, but are the Broncos wanting that? I really hoped he does receive a contract like Champ Bailey did at the end of his career. By the way, I just got your book, Mace, and I can't wait to read it. Thanks for the love and all that you do, guys. Stay safe. Well, thank you. I I very much appreciate uh, you buying my book, and um, I'm looking forward to hopefully having some time to work on another book here in the near future, but uh, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy the trip back through Broncos history. Chances of Vaughn Miller getting a third contract, what percentage would you put on that, Zach? Well, it's not going to be a typical third contract. It's because he's not going to play out the contract that he's on now. So if we're saying what are the chances are he gets a contract after playing out this contract, I'd say 5%. And the reason why I say that is if he were to get a new contract, um, it would happen after this offseason, I think, in order to help some of the cap hits that are coming the Broncos way. So if we're talking about that type of new contract, uh, very likely. Um, it all depends on this year though. If Vaughn has a good year, I think he gets that new contract, maybe a three year extension, something like that, or a restructure to help with the cap Bingo. numbers. And if not, I don't, I don't know if he's around next year. Yeah. If, if he has a big year, the, the words I was going to say are exactly what you said, restructure and extension. Yeah. And the other thing that I think is going to matter for Vaughn Miller, he's got the ring on his finger, but he's going to want to see if this team is head towards another potential championship. And so strangely enough, Vaughn Miller being back for a few more years, Drew Locke may have a lot to do with that. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know if – because if Vaughn left – it would probably be a scenario like DeMarcus Ware. Now, the Cowboys cut him, and DeMarcus went to a place that could get him a ring. Now, he hadn't even played in the conference championship game even before then because, of course, he's a Dallas Cowboy until he became a Denver Bronco. But I really do think that if Vaughn were to leave, it would be to go to a title contender and that if the Broncos, with Drew Locke, had proven they were back in that conversation, he'd be inclined to talk and make a deal and then truly be a Bronco for life because he, he does love this team. He loves, being, he loves playing in Denver, even though his home base is Texas. He loves being a Bronco, and he understands what his presence means historically at the Broncos and where he stands in Broncos history. He understands where he stacks up with the legends that came before him, and he appreciates that. 
And I know this because this is something that uh, uh, he's, he's talked about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The other Ryan says, my boys. First off, I extend warm wishes to Iceman and his wife. Here's to a successful surgery and recovery. My wife is also scheduled to have surgery later this month, so I can relate to the feelings that you are experiencing. And we wish you, you and your wife the best, the other Ryan. Do you think that wealthier players may be more inclined to not play this season, whereas guys who need the job, opportunity, and the kind of money that are only an NFL career pays will play? The only Bronco I could see opting out in a scenario would be Von Miller, Kareem Jackson, Jarrell Casey, A.J. Boye, and maybe Juwan James. Having a young team really works in the Broncos' favor in such a hypothetical situation. At this point, I will take no fans in the stands, and a Noah fan end around is the first play that Pat Shermer <laughs> calls as Denver's offensive coordinator to have a season. Have a terrific Thursday, and take care. DNV Army, salute. I would go a step further, Zach. I would take a Noah fan end around every game <laughs> if that means to have a season. I agree. I, I totally agree. And, Every and it, game. <laughs> and it, I just don't see fans in the stands right now, but the hope is that there's football. Yeah, I know uh, there was some, actually some talk earlier today, and I think you can find this link on profootballtalk.com about um, coming from out of Miami, uh, the hope to have fans, but now they are, but they are talking about uh, uh, limited capacity plans and uh, maybe even uh, no fans in the stands. But again, I think, just find a way to have football, and it may not even be 16 games. I did a poll on Twitter last night and asked, asked, okay, how many games do you expect are going to be played by each team this year? And uh, a majority of the respondents uh, said they don't expect all 16 games. 34 – now, the, the biggest individual choice, so all 16 games, that was the winner with 34.1%. But that meant that you had – 65.9% that were saying 15 or fewer games and 51.5% of fans expecting 11 or fewer games this mm. year. Mm. That, that's interesting. That is interesting. We'll, we'll see. Certainly hope, hope it's closer to 16. Next one yeah, from LDJ. So hey guys, hope everyone is well. So I'm concerned about how, how this Phil and Melvin Gordon thing will work out. Phil is adamant about his point of view. You're going to have to come and take my job, whereas Melvin already assumes it's his. This concerns me because where this team, where this team exists, like I thought Phil was done after the TD interview, but this cryptic message, the interviews, I'm concerned this could combust. What do you think? Well, LDJ, I mean, it, it's like we talked about earlier. This is going to need a full segment to talk about. Yep, and uh, it will, but you know, competition, it can be like fire. It, uh, when controlled, it can bring a lot of positives, but you just want to make sure it doesn't get out of control. Champ fan 24 in case I am late on Tayer.com's comments on hot dogs or cheeseburgers, if you, read, if you read my reply to his comment in disregard, there we go. Okay, we already read it. So we'll move on to Alaska Preston. My boys. There we go. So I love this pod. The discussions are amazing. The chemistry between the hosts is so much fun. The Broncos reporting is on a level that no other organization could even dream of reaching. And atop this all off is possibly the greatest community of sports fans ever assembled, if I may. I'd like to address one community member in particular, Iceman. 
Hearing Iceman's comments has become one of my favorite points for every pod. On a daily basis, I look forward to the comment section as I wait to hear what input he has. It always brings a smile to my face. While I'm sad to hear you'll be taking a break from your commenting, I'm so happy to get to be by your wife's side during these tough times. I threw out a prayer and a cheers for both of you last night. My question, what do you think is the single greatest misstep in the history of the Broncos? I would argue that it was leaving the team in the hands of Brian Greasy following the two championships, although I'm sure you all will have different opinions on that. Go Broncos, Drew, Phil, DNVR, RK, Zach, Mace, America, and of course, Iceman. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly what I would say. And Iceman's comments uh, are living on through everyone else. And uh, just, just great uh, intro to your question, Alaska Preston. And uh, also great question. Mace, what, being the historian here, what would you say is the greatest misstep? Oh, okay. I mean, that is one that, at least in 1999 in particular, probably cost the Broncos a chance to at least push for the playoffs once more, that they didn't go with Bubby Brister. They went with Brian, Brian Greasy. So uh, that's, that's one. Um, but boy, oh boy. I mean, you were getting into some serious uh, missteps right around the turn of the century that really affected the team for a long time. Like, here's an example. In the 2001 draft, you had some, you, you had some outstanding players that, that were on the board that you could have had. For example, Drew Brees went a few picks later. And, but the interesting thing, Drew Brees, the late Jack Elway, Loved Drew Brees, loved him, and was still working with the Broncos uh, until his death earlier that year. But the Broncos took Willie Middlebrooks because they thought they had the answer in Brian Greasy because Greasy, when he was healthy in 2000, was very good. Now, that's a hindsight 2020 thing, but if they hadn't taken Willie, Willie Middlebrooks, man, they could have had Drew Brees. They could have had... Reggie Wayne, they could have had Chad Johnson, later Chad Ochocinco. Mm. A lot of possibilities there. Will it, but, but the single biggest mistake, oh, man. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to go with one. Wow. It's, it's, tough. it's certainly not the single biggest because it, uh, it only impacted one season, and I know some people would disagree about this, but kind of uh, showing Peyton Manning the door after 2015. I know he was washed up. I know he didn't have anything left, but he had one more year on his contract. And from everything that I uh, had heard, if the Broncos really wanted him back, then I think he would have wanted to come back for one more year. He didn't want to go find a new home in, tw in 2016. Um, but man, especially with hindsight being 2020, to have Peyton on the team, lead the offense, really probably guide the offense, mm -hmm. and just be around the building for another year would have been a treat. Okay, and I, I've kind of got a, a, a similar one as far as the biggest recent mistake. Well, I think in the draft, I'd say Ryan Ramchek not being taken and Garrett Bowles being taken is as <sighs> big a mistake as you'll get in the draft because we know what Ramchek has become. But in 2016, Peyton Manning had retired. And we talked about Colin Kaepernick earlier. The guy I would have gone with, and I know he wasn't that good that year with the Jets, but I think based on what he'd done in his previous, in his previous stops, in his first year with those teams, I think it would have worked out reasonably well. 
I would have signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. Of course you would have. Fitz, I knew it was going to be that. <laughs> I, think, I think Fitz magic with the Broncos in 2016, I think that would have been a better option than Colin Kaepernick, a far better option than Mark Sanchez. But, yeah, he would have cost more money. But, again, but, I, but don't sign down Stevenson. Yeah. Get some, get yeah. somebody else to be the right tackle. And I, look, I think it's, I feel very confident in saying that they could not have done worse there than Don Stevenson. Oh, did yes. They, they right could tackle. not. They he was not. a turnstile. Yeah. It yep. was, it, it was bad times, man. Bad times. Fitz magic in 2016. I think the Broncos would have won 11 or 12 games. Hmm. Yeah, and it would have been it would have been filled with fun. Would have been filled and, with tons of interceptions and tons of touchdowns. And I think the, the in now that being said, you just hope you would have gotten Fitz Magic in 2015 with the Jets when he had a 31 to 15 touchdown interception ratio. In 2016 with the Jets, that went to 12 to 17. But I think he w- I think the Kubiak offense would have suited him well, and he would have been a good match cerebrally for Gary Kubiak because. I mean, the one thing about Fitz, even though he may make some dumb throws at times, his ability to absorb an offense and execute it, it's, it's pretty much on point. So for the Broncos that year, it would have been Fitzpatrick, and I think complimented, complimented with that defense and with Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas still playing at a high level, it would have been a very good year. Maybe not a Super Bowl year, but a very good year as long as the Broncos understood they should have still been working on the long-term quarterback and maybe in, in, the, in the next couple of years finding their long-term answer. But yeah. Fitz, would have been a, Fitz would have been a really good bridge. Yeah, yeah maybe Fitz and uh, Russell Wilson or some crazy combo like okay. that. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Sorry, then I have to change my answer. Yeah. The biggest mistake is drafting Brock Osweiler ahead of Russell Wilson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no That's it. Doubt. Sorry. That's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Man, Mace, this was a fun one. And before we Ooh. hop out of here, got to tell you guys about Davidson's, which has two locations, one in Centennial and one in Highlands Ranch. They're locally owned and have a massive selection of any alcohol you could think of including our very personal favorite, Breckenridge Brews. And guys, everyone in there is incredibly knowledgeable. Their sales floor is back up and running, but you can still do curbside pickup and you can still get your alcohol delivered straight to you. So download the Davison's app uh, and sign up for their loyalty program to see all of their incredible deals. They have everything you could imagine. And when you go there, why don't you tag us and them to show them that you're supporting us because guys supporting our partners is supporting us. So make sure to check out Davidson's and Centennial and Highlands Ranch. Well, that'll do it today. Mace, this was a fun one, man. It, it, it's so much fun having these off season pods with you, Mace, with the listeners chiming in. And uh, I like that we had some conversation this week uh, and, and some debate. It, it was refreshing. It was fun. And for any of those taking uh, tomorrow off for, to, to start the 4th of July weekend early, uh, thank you guys so much for rolling with us. Be safe this weekend. Have a lot of fun. And as Iceman would say, go America. So for Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a terrific Thursday. Waiting up for you
Mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.